Hello and welcome to issue episode number seven of Backing Paper. Lucky number seven, lucky for us, because we're back again and we haven't given up on this yet. Hurrah! Um, it's me, Graham here. Uh, Rachel not here again this week. I know it's not good enough, listeners. Please address your complaints to Rachel at wherever you find Rachel. I know she's changed a few of her handles lately and I don't know what they are, but find her and complain to her but don't worry we have got a fantastic replacement nearly as glamorous as Rachel this week um a good friend somebody whose name has cropped up on the podcast many many times and somebody who I actually went out on uh, I'd say photo walk but that would indicate that pictures were taken um a, a stroll anyway uh Alex Purcell known to many people on the internet as Grainy Blur Al welcome to the show hello hi Graham <laughs> So glad to be roped into this. <laughs> you really were not terribly keen on this, but I forced him, listeners, because um, I'm a bully and we all know that. Um, you and I went out this Friday just gone. We went out for a nice day out. Um, we both took a day off and you said, let's go to Bristol and take some pictures. Um, I'll, I've scouted it out. I know what we're going to do. Uh, how did that go, Al? <laughs> well... Yeah, we yeah yeah. It, was, it involved a lot more sitting in traffic than I expected. Bristol <laughs> is a bit of a nightmare, as it turns out. <laughs> turns yeah. out that was fun. It was very fun. We had a very nice pie, uh, so that was good. Um, from the pie minister, um, recommended. There you go, free plug for pie minister. And uh, <laughs> I did take um, some art pictures. <laughs> I took a picture of a squashed pigeon. <laughs> so that's art. Um, but we'll come on to that stuff later as I go through. Uh, we have got some emails to go through, as always. Not too many or too long ones this week. So, listeners, we might manage to make this the bite-sized show that we have so often promised it will be. Let's see how that goes. Um, we will start off with a short but sweet email from Ian Fleming, who writes in, Dear Sunbeams, great choice of guest this week, Claire Marie Bailey. Why, oh why, hadn't I heard of her before? Much appreciated. Um, thank you very much, Ian. Yeah, Claire was fantastic. Um, I was so pleased to be introduced to her work via Andrew Bartram. Um, Al, what did you think of her stuff? Because I know you've listened to that show and have since then looked at her pictures. What was your take on that? Yeah, it's just amazing. Um, I can't, yeah, I had no idea. And... Um, I can't believe I hadn't heard of it before, really being Welsh as well. Um, although, yeah, it is quite a distance, I suppose. But yeah, amazing work, really stunning. Like, I wouldn't, I suppose, if I'd looked through uh, images, as you said in the show, like you just wouldn't know it was the UK at all, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's really, really stunning work. Yeah, nice and lo-fi. And like you, somebody making really good use of their surroundings, really leaning into that. So, um, yeah, no, pin no pinhole though. No, that's room for growth. That's good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, pinhole for self-portraits is can't be easy. I know uh, Andrew Bartram, who we will hear from later. Uh, you'll be here, pleased to hear this. Um, he was going through a phase of doing not self-portraits, but doing portraits with pinhole, wasn't he? Do you see some of that stuff? Yeah, he caught me with that. That was one of the worst pictures I've ever seen. Uh, I know. Uh, it's the least <laughs> flattering way of... I mean... Um, about two inches from your nose, having a a camera shoved in your face that keeps still for a second. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, of course, Justin Quinnell does these really extreme ones, the the awfulograms, which he gets super close, uses a, a beer can to do it, and so you get these really distorted pictures. But I don't think that was kind of what it wasn't what Andrew was going for, was it? <laughs> it no. It was, just, oh, well, it was just me shifting uncomfortably uh, and then thinking after, oh, no, I should have moved more. That would have been far better. But never mind. <laughs> I should have moved more. Yeah, like far, far away from the camera. <laughs> yeah. um, just because the thing can be pinholed does not mean it should be pinholed. I think is what I have learned from Andrew's pinhole portraits. <laughs> so, yeah, well, that's the thing. No, um, the other, I'm sure the, all the others are brilliant. It's just yeah, seeing yourself like, scrolling through social media and suddenly seeing a, a extreme, the most extreme close-up of your own face you've ever seen is a bit of a shock. But yeah. So what you're saying is maybe the problem was your face, not the pin. Subject. That's it. <laughs> okay. Right. Next email is from Paul Friday. Paul writes in, "Dearest Beams, uh, this is following on from AIDS' um, ongoing saga of uh, creativity issues, um, which he's getting through. Uh, I think hopefully. Um, Dearest Beams." 
What Aid needs is constraint. Not so much the handcuffs. Um, so you'll have to you know, put those away because I know that's it's a weekend thing for eight handcuffs. But to take away some photographic freedoms, the more you are held back, the more creativity and spark pops out. Don't you own a pen half frame camera? I do. Give him that loaded with some colour film. No focusing, no exposure control, just frame and shoot. Better yet, load it with lith film or a box camera. Point him at fupduckphoto.wordpress.com that's f-u-p-d-u-c-k photo.wordpress.com and the article called Out of the Rut uh, Constraint in the Form of Bad Advice Cheers my dears P.S. Just a thought If anything I said helps does that make me an aid 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 aid? (laughs) This wordplay it's got it it really has Um, uh, As we mentioned just a second ago a lot of the stuff you do is pinhole. You love shooting pinhole. You shot some beautiful stuff out there, uh, and pinhole is definitely one of the most constrained um, ways of shooting you can go. So, do you think that's true? Do you think constraints help you do more artistic stuff? Definitely, yeah. I think that's yeah, hundred um, percent. That's interesting. I the, mentioned the half frame pen camera. I've recently bought one of those, um, and yeah, I've just loved it because it's. Just you can't really. There's nothing to think about. You just kind of you know, click away and en- en- seemingly endlessly as well with the 72 shots or whatever it is. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's it's like restricting what you can do. I think is forces you to think differently or um, stops you worrying about the things that you'd usually get uh, distracted by. Or uh, um, yeah, you're only going to think about what you're pointing it at and when to click it, basically. Um, yeah, with, with the half frame stuff, because uh, as I've talked about on here in the past, I think even last week I mentioned about this half frame camera. Um, the fact that when you put a thirty six exposure roll of film in there, that gives you seventy two pictures to take. Um, do you find? Because I mean, I can't. I, I if I gave that to Aid, uh, he he would punch me in the face because he'd go, "Look, you've just given me a hassle. No, thank you." Uh, so do you find getting through you've that many the time pictures? limit? Oh yeah, that would definitely uh, help. <laughs> I've yeah I haven't put that many rolls through it um I suppose I've got to sort of psych myself up to do it and then to kind of get into that frame I'm just clicking away quickly because that is quite different to how I normally shoot um usually I would just wait to you know for the light to be right and or just wait for for what I've kind of think would work out quite well based on you know my experience but yeah I think it is good to kind of practice that um thing of just carrying it with you and not really worrying about it so much because uh, I don't shoot digital uh, in between at all I sold my I never really had a proper digital camera I had like little point and shoots and um, you know years ago so I'm not really in that I'm not used to shooting rapidly um, so yeah did you find though that shooting with the pen you did anything differently? I mean, one of the things about shooting with most half-frame cameras, in fact, maybe all of them. I don't know. I haven't shot with all of them, but certainly most half-frame cameras that I've ever come across is that the default format is always going to be portrait as opposed to landscape. So when you look through the viewfinder, you're seeing things looking different instantly, um, which is going to make you shoot things slightly differently. Yes, of course, you can tilt it on the side and still get your landscape shots. But um, And the other thing that I, you see people doing a lot is diptychs and triptychs. With yeah. Did you find that you started doing things a bit differently? Were you taking more pictures of the same thing with that in mind? Or, or was it more just a case of, oh, no, I'm just going to blitz through here? Um, no, I... I... If just you know, just looking through it, it was looking for more uh, landscape. You know, certainly on the first roll, I shot a lot of landscape shots. Um, and then when I was scanning it later, I regretted it because I thought, oh, I really missed the opportunity to create those diptychs and triptychs. Um, so then, yeah, on the second roll that I put through it, I was, well, I was part partly hindered by the fact that I had such an awful time scanning the first roll because it was just terrible. Um, I, I was like, oh, I'd kind of lost a little bit of enthusiasm for it. Um, and but I was then thinking, like, right, I've got to try and keep it to portrait more and try and you know take a couple of shots that will go together because that's really, I think that's the beauty of the camera, really. But otherwise, it's just, you know, it, it, it's a... Um, 
it's not that you know, that sharp. Uh, you, you you have to be sort of ten foot away for something to kind of appear to be pretty crisp. Um, I, if I'm just going to take normal shots, then I'd rather just use some of my OM gear or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it was listening to other people talk about these cameras. They they were talking about you know creating diptychs and things. And I thought yes, that is actually the, the, you know the best thing for them. That's where they really come into their own. So yeah, now I when I I need to get out with it more really. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's looking for those shots, taking you know, several shots at a time, and kind of learning where the angle of view as well. Because I'm I'm not sure the viewfinder is that accurate. I tried to take some panoramic shots where I was kind of you know, I was going to stitch them together or scan them mm. as one. But there's so much overlap in what I've done. I, I've got I need to do work and just spend a bit more time with it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But no, I found it it's, it's really good fun. It's it's limited a bit. I. I the sort of most important thing to me is exposure compensation. So um, it's the ISO range is a little bit limited. So I kind of want to only really want to put a 200 speed film in it, so I can then you know allow the image to be darker by sticking up to 400. I think mine goes up to or is it slightly higher? I'm not sure. Um, you know, depending on what I'm shooting. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so and it, the last time I used it, I, I put a uh, some black and white um, Delta 3200 in it and put a red gel that Corey gave me over the just over the lens so mm-hmm. it left the light meter exposed and then I rated it at four eight hundred I think my mind might go up to eight hundred I can't remember now but it just with this filter over the lens it allowed me to use a much higher ISO film because um, I, I, I really want to get the as much grain as possible. I've got this bit of a thing at the moment. I seem to be failing to. I've seen images where you get this incredible, um, you know, really exaggerated grain, and everything I'm trying doesn't seem to quite get to that. I don't know whether I've got to just use uh, more expired film. Possibly that might uh, help me get that effect. But I thought I was hoping with half frame, you know, you've got to you're going to double the size of the grain to begin with. Um, I'll have to send you some of my um, vintage HP5, which I did shoot a roll of through the... Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You, that you did give me a roll. You did give me a roll um, earlier on in the year, and that was that was, that was was very grainy. That <laughs> yeah. was the most grainy thing I've shot, definitely. Because that's, like, that, that's pre-plus, isn't it? That's just yeah. the old HP5. Yeah, that was that's the most grainy thing I've shot, I think. That was quite cool. It's quite special, that stuff. It is quite special. And just quickly before we move on, because I know you've got quite a decent collection of cameras, as do most of us. Um, are there any other basic or are there any other cameras that you found that when you started using them, they really did uh, take you in a different direction with your photography? Um, I mean, like I said, I know pinhole is one thing and, and obviously this half room is another. Is there anything else that you got bought, picked up, whatever, and you went, oh, actually, this is taking me down a different avenue now? Um... That's a good question. I, I suppose the, the uh, I'm on my second XA. Um, I like that because you know, you're going to take it places where you wouldn't take another camera just because it's so easy to you wouldn't know it was in your pocket. Um, yeah, so I guess small cameras like that, like I've got an LCA uh, Russian one, and the my first XA broke, but the second one is I've got now, which is an XA2, which is great. Um, I'm not sure really. I tend to stick to, um, you know, the OM two or my OM forty. Now that the two is broken. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, other than that, it's kind of pinhole really. I suppose is what I've been most taken with. No, well, that's that's some good points. Uh, the, um, the small point shoots, just having those with you to grab anything you see is a, a really good tip. Um, yeah. Next email is from Jason Champney. Uh, hey to the three wise whoa men um, well it's just uh, two of us and uh, there's much in the way of wisdom or indeed uh, women so sorry on all counts uh, this week. Um, after listening to your show on finding inspiration on project ideas I had an epiphany probably something I ate well anyway I thought about a twist on the 365 project that many start and maybe regret after a little while what about a shorter project and doing it at a time when we are in good humour and maybe have a little extra time on our hands? When is this magical time of which you speak, Jason? Sounds good, hey? I call it 
the 12 days of Christmas. And I thought maybe it could be quite fun now that your super podcast reaches so many different lands. I think this email may have come to the wrong podcast. Um, if other Sunbeams could join the project to maybe show how they celebrate Christmas or link to the song and each day shoot something that symbolizes. Uh, so you obviously got things like two French hens or five cold rings. Um, he says in here, onion rings spring to mind. <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, crazy idea. I'm sure it's already been done. I'm not sure it's already been done. Uh, I always thought the 12 days lead up to the 12 days lead up to Christmas Day, but a little googling has learned me that they actually start on Christmas Day or Boxing Day and lead to the day before Epiphany or the Feast of Epiphany on the 6th of January. I will certainly be committing to the project and will keep you posted. Love the show, guys. Keep up the excellent works. Uh, best regards and a very Merry Christmas to you and yours. Uh, seems early, Jace, but we'll take it. And uh, Jason in Denmark, the guy with the rude sweets. Um, uh, Jason sent me a bag of <laughs> gummies in the shape of uh, pants and boobs, which was pretty great. Um, that's a, I like this idea a lot. What do you think of this one now? So um, the 12 days of Christmas, uh, the song which we all know and love, um, and just having a 12-day a photography project. Instead of a 365, a 12-day project where either you're trying to capture something that conveys the song um, or it's just Christmas-related. What do you think? Yeah, it's a great idea. I think anything that gives you yeah, some sort of structure to kind of motivate you to get shooting that's, that's got to be a good plan um shorter um projects like that seem like a good idea as well because i've never really taken part in a you know um a year-long project actually i don't think i've really joined in anything like that um so yeah i don't think i would keep up you know with a, a long project so something that's 12 days or just like that sort of festive kind of time off, which I don't really get as a gas engineer, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be, it'll just be shots of like 10 days of fixing boilers and two stuffed with turkey, I suppose. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like the, the, the three six five projects and the longer term ones, they are they are difficult because you can start them with good intentions, but inevitably in the space of a year something will come up which will just mess things up completely. And once you're off the wagon, it's really hard to get back on again. But um, a nice short one, and especially if you kind of maybe rather than viewing it as a oh I'm going to do one a day, which might be tricky because we're, everyone's moving a lot over Christmas. But if you think okay. Over my Christmas holidays, I'm going to take 12 pictures that just, as Jay said, either encapsulates the song or encapsulates your Christmas. I mean, 12 pictures, that's that's what, 12 6x6 frames. So if you've got a square format, 6x6, that's one roll of film. And, um, and it could be a lot of fun because... We're, we're all seeing people over Christmas, or almost all of us are. You're seeing family, you're seeing friends at different times. Um, you can just make it silly and fun, and I think that could be a really good fun. I mean, the, the 12 Lords are leaping. <laughs> I mean, you know, ah, it go wherever you want it to go, but I think that's a really nice idea. We, we started last week, and I really need to get a bit better about showing people about this, but we did start last week, and in all seriousness, um, the idea of... Um, I want to see some analog photography related Christmas decorations. I am already collecting stuff specifically to make them. I am going to be doing this for sure. Um, and so anybody listening to this who wants to have a go at making some analog photography themed Christmas decorations, I don't care how half-assed they are. I just want to see some good stuff going up. I want to see some Christmas trees that look good and analog-y. Um, I want rolls of film. I want bunting made out of bloody negatives. I don't care what it is, but... Um, yeah, and let's make this a good analog Christmas, and the best one we will give a prize away, or rather, uh, poor analog Wonderland will give a prize away. I did double check. Um, uh, first off, a huge congratulations to Paul and his wife because they have had their baby, and I've seen the picture, and what? it's very adorable. Um, but they are not prepared to give it away because it seems like it's one of the good babies. So, um, <laughs> but a massive congratulations <laughs> to both of those on a, a gorgeous, gorgeous baby. So, um, so yeah. Get making something, making something at Christmas time is the most fun. Um, and if you're up for joining yeah. in, sorry, how were we going to say? No, I was going to say as a yeah, thinking about it as a project. Yeah, I, I think I'll give that a go. 
because um, yeah, it would be good fun. I I tend not to. Um, I'd like to kind of set out to kind of look for meaning in what I'm doing because I really don't. I'm very unconscious as I shoot. It's just literally like a really sort of visual kind of thing of something about a composition will just sets off a little light in my head and then I kind of snap it. But it would be good to try and start to think, you know, in a more, you know, uh, something that's sort of led by meaning or some kind of symbolic thing or whatever. It would be really interesting to try and do that. It's something I've not done at all. So, yeah. Well, you and I were talking when we met up on Friday um, because you are a very good guitar player and I am not. Um, and we were, but we were talking. It's relative. About, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It is, all things are. Um, but we were talking about um, this, and in relation to photography, around the idea of practice, and talking about the fact that you know, if I pick up a guitar and I'm just kind of half-arsedly noodling around, I'm going to make no progress at all because there's no way I can really be wrong. But also, I'm not really re- right either. And it can be a bit like that with photography, in that if you're not starting with an idea in your head and going out working towards it, you can still take some fantastic pictures. Um, But if you actually have, okay, I want to achieve something, and then you work towards it, you're going to be actively thinking about these things and trying to problem solve and come up with ideas. And I think that is a, it's, it's better photographic practice. Not that you have to do that all the time, but if you actually want to practice the art of photography, which photography is something we should, all be practicing if we're taking it seriously you know like anything you kind of have to practice it to get better at it um and that seems like it would be a more structured way of practicing so if you have a theme um i think that would help um but you you're going to take this on yeah, def- yeah i think well actually i think you're right it's um you're setting yourself some sort of goal uh, with the guitar i'm kind of hopeless for how long i've been playing for, for, for almost 30 years now and I've just been kind of noodling around just doing playing the same old rubbish but it's just for such a long time I have eventually you know got some experience at it but um yeah I really haven't kind of pushed myself at all in in you know playing guitar or photography or whatever it's just been you know just doing whatever's easy and fun so it would be it, it is it that side of it this kind of you know um, trying to come up with kind of some sort of concept to begin with is something I really haven't done at all. So yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, no, I think so. Well, like I said, listeners, let us know if you're on board with. Uh, did he come up with a great? Um, let's let's call it uh, Jace's Twelve Days of Christmas <laughs> project. Um, you can find Jace certainly on Instagram. I think he's Jace Images. Uh, J-A-C-E images on Instagram. I will try and find that. Um, but search for Jason Champney uh, and you'll find him. Um, he's a very good photographer. There's lots of um, cool band shoots as well. I've seen, I've seen quite a lot of those recently on Jason's feed. Um, and uh, yeah, reach out to him if you're going to take part. Uh, and, you know, and maybe if you do, maybe he'll send you some rude sweets. Um, I make no promises on his behalf. Um, the next email is from Nick Lyle, one of the hosts of the wonderful Homemade Camera pro- uh, podcast. I've got to stop saying project at the end of anything because only the film photography project is a project. Everything else is just a podcast. Anyway, um, Nick writes in, Sunfishes. On a recent Sunny 16 podcast, the topic of collaborations where an exposed roll of film is forwarded to someone else for double exposure. With cameras that use a red window to advance roll film, the frames will always line up for both shooters, but many mechanical film advanced devices have different frame spacing from one camera to another. I would like to suggest making an effort to start the roll in different places, instead of struggling to get frame alignment. If the frames are well and truly staggered, this will add an additional layer of randomness to the resulting images. In addition, with no blank spaces between frames on a negative, you can treat the film as a panoramic shot, cropping wherever you like. Thanks for doubling the output of your always entertaining podcast. Uh, from Nick Lyle, co-host of the Homemade Camera Podcast with Nick and Graham. Um, that's a really good piece of advice. Uh, now, we were, we were also talking about this on Friday, um, and I know I mentioned last week that uh, Mike and Andre over at the Negative Positives podcast ran a challenge where people were shooting um, double exposures. One person would shoot a roll of film, then they'd post it off to their partner, and the other person would. And, um, and they were setting out to try and get the frames lined as best they could and working quite hard towards this. 
and from what I understood from listening, it, varying degrees of utter failure with that. That seemed to be one of the biggest problems people were having. I love Nick's idea of just don't bother, just actually go the other way and lean into the no blank spaces thing. That's a, a great tip. Um, have you tried this at all, Al? Yeah, I took part in the um, negative positives, uh, double exposure. I did the color and black and white, so I did you know, two rolls, and it was great. But it, it wasn't that hard lining them up before. I'd, I'd never done a double exposure, um, you know, film swap, so I had no idea really how you how you make this work. But somebody shared on the negative positives Facebook page a video just showing that you just mark it with a marker pen and um, line it up advance it a couple of times before you close the back and then you can see exactly how it's going to line up and I think all pretty much all 35mm uh, cameras have the same spacing I think well they might some of them might have uh, might be slightly wider some might have a, a narrower gap between mm. frames but I think it's the same number of perforations between shots so um, it doesn't really matter if it's a different camera um, yeah wasn't that hard to achieve um so yeah i'm not sure I, and i that was something that at the time that was quite important to me to get it you know i wanted them to line up but yeah i'm sure that could could look good um not worrying about it well, i i think i can't remember who it was it might have been andre um who shot um in a different format uh, whether that was, well, I, can't, I can't remember how it worked now, but somebody had shot, uh, had done a film swap where they'd ended up with um, a panoramic sort of narrow strip across the middle of the frame. Um, and that, that looked quite cool because it was just cool. you know, completely, completely different, but it was yeah. only double in, in the middle. I, I'm pretty sure it was Andre, but uh, I don't know, I can't remember. That. But yeah. Which did you find yeah, so, worked best, black and white or colour for these double exposures? Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't shoot much color. I did like the color. Um, yeah, both were good. I think the color adds another dimension. So it's sort of, there's a lot more. It's yeah. another, it is literally another dimension to, um, to, to interfere with the, the image. So it's, the, the the black and white are flatter. It's very difficult sometimes to tell uh, what's what. But yeah, when you've got a completely different sort of set of colours, where one might be night, one could be tungsten lit, or the other one daylight, or whatever, yeah. um, it was it was a more stark kind of difference within the frame, which I quite liked. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I think yeah, the colour my colour shots certainly stick in my memory better. I can't really. Uh, not that sure about the black and white stuff. Although, if you'd been on to judge the competition, you you know, <laughs> it's, it's not my fault. It, honestly, but, like I said, they they record at ten o'clock their time yeah. on a Sunday evening, which is about three a.m. in the morning in the UK. Yeah. I've done my best. They are a hopeless pair. This will be no surprise to anybody who has ever listened to that podcast, though. Um, yeah, I have to say, I mean, with uh, with double exposures, I. I love black and white double exposures, but they seem to me that they need to be more planned out because the random nature of them it might work, but if it doesn't, there'll kind of be nothing there. Um, I've had a few of these kind of crossing over double exposures in the past because of my oft-repeated failure to remember whether, with medium format this is, remember whether I'm shooting 6x6, 6x9 or 6x12. I've had quite a few where I've ended up kind of layering things over and sometimes, just sometimes, you get quite incredible serendipity. It's like, oh, that's created a picture that could never have happened any other way. So, um, yeah, great tip. And it was, um, it was Dave, wasn't it, last week? He was. He's the sort of master of the double exposure. I think what he did with the paintbrush and things that was just incredible. Yes, to me. I didn't. That was. I was blown away by that. Thought, wow, never yeah. sort of thought about putting. You know so much thought into it and uh, I, I, did he mark the viewfinder or something he did something didn't he to make sure that he had the the brush in the right spot yeah yeah i think he picked um, out a point on it so he knew yeah and that's the thing dave does put in a lot of forethought before he goes out and shoots his images i think it was a cheap shots challenge run uh I, quite a few while ago i think it was a sports one um and he turned up and he'd got like a board that he'd stuck pictures to that he wanted to use as his kind of base shots. So, yeah, 
you unsurprisingly the more preparation you put in with things like this you get kind of amazing results serendipity can give you amazing results sometimes good planning and practice will give you results that you really like far more often um, yeah i suppose if you're doing it on your if it's not a film swap then you've got that opportunity of new to you know to to really kind of of uh, go to town on it, which I, I don't think I would have, would have thought of. I, I probably would have done you know, dozens of roles randomly sh- shooting away, not planning it out, because I'm not a note-taker at all. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I should take notes, but... Yeah, well, we were saying before we started recording, didn't we? That um, we're gonna—I've <laughs> had a great idea that I'm gonna force you to do because um, you shoot four by five pinhole because you've made some f- awesome homemade four by five pinhole cameras, which Nick and Graham would very strongly approve of. Um, and I don't—I've got Ronald. Um, so we're gonna have a go because there's one <laughs> way you can really make sure you don't mess up the film spacing, and that's to shoot four by five or just large format in general. So we're gonna have a go at doing a four by five double exposure film swap. Uh, that can only work well, can't it? We'll definitely get some good stuff. Yeah, yeah, awesome. definitely. Unless I remove the dark slide as I did the other night after loading <laughs> <laughs> six holders. I oh, thought, right, no. now this is the one I didn't use. Oh shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, but yeah. I promise not to do that. With good, yours. good. Um, as it mentioned in the email, Nick and Graham host the Homemade Camera Podcast. Uh, it's a really good podcast, especially if you have any interest in. Um, how cameras are made uh, and how you can use that knowledge to kind of put your own together. They are two very creative gentlemen um, who know a lot about how cameras go together. I find it fascinating. I know you listen to do too. Don't yeah, you? definitely. It's just amazing. The, uh, listening to um, them talk about cameras, I've just suddenly, it explains like every shitty camera that I've had fail on me. I've suddenly understood exactly what went wrong with it because just hearing them talk about how like the shutter moves and um yeah just so i think the first few episodes they went through the kind of basics of like aperture shutter um focusing things like that and just going in depth into all the different styles of how how these things work it sounds dry but it's not they're really entertaining to to listen to and it's just you know brilliantly delivered it's you know excellent podcast It's, it's really good yeah, and especially like if if you've ever thought, oh, I'd like to have a go at making like a pinhole like Al has, um, or yeah, you know, because ma- making homemade pinholes is something I think everyone should have a go at. I'm I haven't done it for a while because I've been moving house and all this stuff going on, but I'm whenever I see a tin or a, a black cardboard box, I'm just putting these things to one side, going one day, one day you will be a rubbish cardboard camera that'll work once, get wet, and I'll throw you away, but it'll be great. My partner hates it. I was in a shop the other day. She saw, she saw me pick up a tin. And she looked at me and went, you're thinking of making that into a camera, aren't you? I'm yeah. Like, no, I get the same. Put, put it down and walked away. Yeah, I get that reaction when I'm with her. But then when she's on her own, she'll say, oh, I saw this tin earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's like gone into her head. It's the <laughs> I would also just like to say that it was Nick and Graham who said, oh, the scammers, they're getting a rough go here. We can make these better. We can make these great. And for a few weeks, they were talking about what they were going to do and how they'd started doing stuff. And, and Graham even <laughs> sent in one picture he took with his upgraded scammer. And I don't want to use the word terrible, but I can't think of a good synonym for the word terrible. So let's just go with terrible. It was pretty terrible. And since then, they really haven't talked about the scammers very much. So I'm looking forward to an update on that soon, guys, about how you've made those terrible cameras better. If you need oh, us they, to post you a hammer, just, we will do. They, they're going to get a second win. They're going to revisit that, I think, with enthusiasm. I think they're going to prove that they're brilliant. I think they've realised that they were wrong and they'll move on with their life. Um, <laughs> next email, another nice short one from Nigel Cliff. Hi, Sonnies. I've got a bit of a thing for autofocus SLRs. Picked up a Pentax SFX this morning, but I rarely hear any mention on them on your or any other podcasts. Are they seen as cheating in a way, or is it just that they're not yet classic enough for the film community? Thanks from Nigel. Um, yeah, another thing I think we briefly talked about, uh, because we were talking about cameras that we've been shooting. So, Al, you've got one of these, haven't you, a modern autofocus? I have. Um, it was a friend of mine gave it to me. He he was um, he taught photography, and I think it was just he had piles and piles of stuff. He gave me a load of darkroom gear, and uh, in amongst the trays and uh, developing tags and things, he said, oh, I've got this Canon, it's an EOS 50E, which I think was called the Elan in uh, America. Mm. 
it's the sort of thing that I, I wouldn't have looked twice at because unless it's metal and kind of looks 70 years or before, I'm just not interested in plastic bodied cameras at all. Um, but it was, you know, because he just gave it to me all the stuff. I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll take it and I'll, you know, it's out there for a little while. And I put, uh, put a roll of film through it and I absolutely loved it. I was really shocked at how much I liked using it because um, it's, it's ergonomically brilliant. The, it's got a, um, uh, it somehow reads your eye position and it's got these three or four mm. um, LEDs that light up in the viewfinder, which doesn't work brilliantly actually, but um, it focuses really quick, quickly and accurately. Um, and I got an adapter so I could like try my Helios uh, 44 f2 on it which was kind of fun mm-hmm. uh, but yeah the, it's just got the, the basic lens that came with it which i think is 35 to 70 or something um it all feels like you know really sort of cheap plastic but it's everything's in the right place and it's you know you've got this uh, wheel on the back for i think it was the uh, shutter speed and then the aperture on a little dial by your index finger and it's mm. just you know, feels great to use. So yeah, it's weird because I, I, you know, I, I literally, if I saw it in a charity shop, I wouldn't even have picked it up. But um, I would have missed out because I, I think it's, you know, it's a brilliant camera. So I quite like to get um, a 50 mil, you know, a prime lens for it to autofocus, and then I think I'd, I'd leave that on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. That's the only one I've got other than my old sort of um, point and shoots. But yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not into point and shoots generally. I'm not, I don't quite, I, I, you know, I like the sort of mechanical, well, I mean, semi sort of mechanical. I mean, even my OM2N is, um, isn't purely a mechanical camera, but it kind of feels like it. It's, it's that look and feel that I, that I like. But yeah, but I can't deny the fact that it was just, you know, a fantastic camera to use. Yeah, I've got um, a so, Canon, yeah. I've got a Canon 30E, which uh, is just, I guess, a couple of years older than yours but basically exactly the same um it's also got the weird eye focusing thing which i've never tried using on it um but yeah it's they're just fun to use uh they're they're a different thing and um you know the the light meters on those things are crazy good uh so sometimes if i want to go out and shoot slide film uh i'm gonna go with that and i do own a 50 mil 1.8 lens because they're not expensive i mean i had mine because my first slr was a canon 30d um and um the two the actually the 30 is a lot lighter um so i've got the 50 mil 1.8 lens which is fantastic uh and sometimes it's just fun to go out and have something really quick easy you know the autofocus is sharp it's really light um yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different thing it's fun to use and as you were saying al um the fact that uh you can also get an adapter on there if you want to use your M42 lenses or whatever it may be. I'm like, because you know, I've got loads of M42 lenses, um, and I have got M42 bodies as well, which are great and I love using. Um, but n- none of them have a fast-acting light meter in them. Um, yeah. So it's just a different thing. Uh, I, all of Dave's double exposures he does with his um, Minolta um, because you know that's got a great double exposure thing on it. Um, they they are good fun cameras to use and i have picked up I, th- I cannot remember what the other ones are but i think i know i've got at least one maybe two other um slr bodies because especially if you've got a friend or somebody who says i quite want to get into shooting film but i'm a little bit nervous about it um you know i've been shooting digital before if you can hand them one of these cameras it's going to feel instantly familiar but it's going to start getting them into the mindset of oh you're picking your film going through the shooting the whole lot you know the, the process um yeah they're great i, I yeah I, definitely I, I don't use it a lot but when i do use it i always have fun with it so yeah um, the, the nice thing i found about it was um because I, I wanted to kind of experiment with the the helios lens um I wanted to see what it's like shot wide open, but the the Zenit that it came from only goes up to five hundred five hundredth of a second, whereas I think the the Canon goes up to is it two or four thousandth of a second? I'm not sure, uh, but you know, just having that much higher um, shutter speed enabled me to shoot wide open, you know, in kind of middle of the day, which was you know great because I couldn't have done that with the Zenit. 
Yeah, and if, yeah. if listening to the Classic Lenses podcast has taught us nothing else, the only point in owning a Classic Lens is so you can shoot it wide open, um, because otherwise, <laughs> why even bother? Um, so to get the maximum number of flaws the, the lens can possibly show. It, the, the Classic Lenses podcast is the show where you realise that what digital photographers really want is, is something to bring their cameras down a notch or two. Um, it's, uh, it's great. I love you guys. Um, <laughs> I love hearing all of them. Uh, every week, car buying more lenses. Like, what, what, what hole is he seeking to fill? <laughs> Landfill, I suspect, at this point. Um, anyway, uh, last email of the show, and it's from another friend from another podcast, the wonderful Andrew Bartram, who hooked us up with Claire Marie Bailey last week. Um, and you've been a, a guest on the Lensless podcast, of which Andrew is a, a co-host, haven't you? That's right. Yeah, that's my first terrifying podcast experience. <laughs> what episode was that on? So people can go and listen and judge you on oh, how God, well I... you did. No idea. No idea. Hopefully, it's been deleted. I think I drank too much wine before <laughs> before recording. So uh, yeah, no, I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it's very good. Well, yeah. anyway, Andrew, Andrew, and Corey, um, Corey Cannon, who we've had on the show before, host the Lensless Podcast, which is a podcast focused entirely on pinhole photography. And they've had some really great guests on um, over the. It's not even a year they've been going out there, is it? But over the last year, they've certainly had a lot of great guests on. Um, yeah. Andrew does waffle a lot. You kind of have to prepare yourself for that, um, but it, <laughs> but it's great. I want to hear um, about the salt prints. <laughs> oh God! And then he does talk about salt prints a lot, um, but um, but they have some great guests and some great conversations on there. So if you're into pinhole photography, um, they've had makers on there. They've had people doing all sorts of great art. Um, uh, they had Justin Quinnell on. They've had Monica on, who we had on here. Um, loads of good people and Alex. So definitely worth listening out for. Um, anyway, getting back to Andrew's email. Hello. Hello, Baking Powder Peaks. Although I've only managed to listen to a few of your additional shows, I have enjoyed them enormously. Just a quick email to thank you guys for being an inspiration to the community and for encouraging others like me, Corey, Neil Piper, Sven, Olaf Himbeset, uh, from the Viking podcast thingy. Sorry, Sven, for butchering your name and podcast. As well. See, I haven't listened to that one yet. That's what I need to add to my list. And others to get into podcasting. Um, also, a shout out to folks who want to join the at photo walk me london meetup on saturday the 8th of december uh, thanks again gang and uh, hope to catch up soon best wishes from andrew um so there we go so if you're in london or the london area there is a photo walk taking place on london london the 8th of december on uh, the saturday the 8th of december which is two weeks away from today two weeks two weeks do i sound like a bird um so go to at photowalkme on uh, Twitter or um, photowalk.me, I think is the website. I should know this by now. We've used it a lot. Um, uh, but that's great. Lovely people to catch up with. Um, and yeah, it, you know, I, whilst I don't feel we can take any credit for being an inspiration to the community when it comes to podcasting, but it has been great to see so many specialist shows popping up uh We've mentioned quite a few of them this evening alone. Um, and Neil Piper with his recent edition of uh, Soot and Whitewash. Uh, the Viking podcast is apparently called Viewfinder Vikings. Uh, Andrew followed up with at the end there. Um, you That's one you've listened to, Al? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Really oh, good. What kind of stuff does Sven talk about? Is it Sven? 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 I'm not sure the pronunciation. It's not Sven. Okay. It's Sven, I think. Okay. Yes. Um Oh, God. Yeah. Well, he had uh, Simon Forster on there from the Classic Lenses podcast, oh, okay. which was recently, no, was a really good interview. It was nice to hear Simon. Well, it was Simon give, having a chance to talk about uh, large format without Carl, um, you know, rolling his eyes and <laughs> getting benefits. But uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, it's really good. It's a really good interview. So yeah, worth checking out, definitely. Uh, that's great. And we had. Um... I'm going to go back and try and find this now, which might be optimistic because I'm really bad at going through my notes. Apologies in advance, listeners, for what's about to be some clicking as I try and find it. But we um, had the email a few weeks ago um, about uh, Matt Murray. That's right. God, this is some real quick emailing. Um, Matt loves cameras. I think he. I saw on Instagram his podcast is going to be launching maybe this week, so very soon. So uh, an Aussie podcast to make up for the fact that... Uh, 
uh, beloved friend of the show, uh, Matthew Joseph's podcast, is a bit dead at the moment. Although Matthew has um, threatened to join us next week on Backing Paper, so we'll see if we can find the keys and keep him locked out of here. But that that might happen, I'm afraid. Um, but no, it's great. It's great. There are so many voices out there. Uh, everyone can find something that they're interested in, and um, yeah. It's just wonderful that this hobby is being so well served now by so so many fantastic shows. Because uh, yeah, you're like definitely. me, you listen to a lot of them as well, don't you? I do, yeah. I tend to drive for about four hours a day around West Wales when I'm working. Around so, Bristol when you're failing to find where you're going. Yeah, I found that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm lucky like that because I've got you know, beautiful scenery to drive around and just listen to as many film-based podcasts as I, you know, as people can put out there at the moment so i'm not at saturation point yet so keep going anybody's thinking about it just do it definitely yeah i agree and as we said god however long ago it was now i i do still think that if you're listening to this and you're thinking god i i've got something i want to say and i think i can say it in an entertaining way that's quite important i think Think if you want people to listen, try it. at least. I mean, and this is what I would, at least I think I'm saying it in an entertaining way. I have lots of feedback to point out to me that I'm probably not, but um, if you think that you've got something that you want to share, uh, whether it's a niche in the passion or just the general stuff, but you just really want to get out there, just do it, just absolutely do it. Um, because it's I, a lot of fun. I'm sorry, sorry, I'd be amazed by that by how many different um. You know, people have got such different takes on things. You can kind of listen to a couple of podcasts, but then um, I've been uh, people like Neil Piper and Matt Melcher, and uh, it, I'm always continually surprised when you you kind of listen to more people. There's so many different ways of looking at film photography and people's different approaches to gear and things like that. I just find it all really interesting. Um, you know, the more that's out there, the more kind of depth there seems to be to it, and depth that there seems to be to kind of how people approach things it's it's really uh, i think everybody's if, if somebody's passionate about it then they're going to bring something interesting to it yeah absolutely absolutely and also it's just really good fun it's a fun thing to do um i was chatting to jeremy earlier in the week and i said i've been super busy the last couple of months i've been moving house and have all sorts of family stuff going on um which have been draining away every last drop of my energy and jeremy said oh it doesn't you come on the podcast and it doesn't sound like it and i said no the thing is the podcast is for me like the thing that brings me back up again, no matter how absolutely shattered I might be before I sit down and hit record. The moment I hit record, I'm like, oh, this is the most fun ever. I get <laughs> I get to do this now um, with whoever awesome I'm talking to at the time. Uh, and it's always wonderful and I always love it. And um, from talking to other people who are doing it, I think, you know, that's we all get that from it. So um, we are not at saturation point. And the nice thing is with podcasts, like... Uh, I have I subscribe to an awful lot of these podcasts. I don't listen to all of them every week because I just don't have enough time. But I can just dip in and listen to these people who I love hearing from as and when I can, and it's always great. So, yeah, if you've got something you want to share, um, if you, just, just do it. Anchor seems to be a great way of um, doing it with kind of very little in the way of um, setup. You 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 because. Corey and Andrew use uh, the Anchor app, don't they, to record. How did you find being on that? It always seems a slight bit of a nightmare as a guest. <laughs> no, it was fine. There weren't any problems at all. Um, I know, um, yeah, yeah, I think there were early problems with Anchor, uh, losing connection and things, but that, I don't think that happened when I was talking to them. So, yeah, it seems to, I think they've improved things on that. It does seem a now, lot better, yeah. Just, so. Yeah, it seems easy to get to. Not something I do. I find it all far too close to public speaking and, frankly, terrifying. <laughs> so. well, you've been a wonderful not, not guest. Not something you catch me do. I will hold on hope that maybe one day you'll change your heart um, and do something. But still, it's great to just have you as a guest anyway, as a co-host on this evening's show. Um, that's going to wrap it up for emails this week, listeners. Thank you very much, everybody, for writing in, especially Andrew and Nick. Um, Andrew and Nigel. Well, Andrew and Nick and Nigel and everybody, but uh, I put a, a tweet out um, on, on Twitter, funnily enough, saying, look, guys, we've not had that many emails. There's a risk that our short show may actually be short. Um, and then they sent in some emails. So uh, let's have a quick check. Uh, no, that's fine. We're at 50 minutes. Our short show is not short. Phew, 
get in <laughs> maintaining the streak. Um, we will have uh, next week, we've got the Cheap Shots Challenge judging happening. Uh, I'm not quite sure what's happening with this week's show, but it'll be wonderful. So brace for that, guys. It's going to be fantastic. Um, get making your Christmas decorations. Get thinking about how you're going to interpret Christmas with your 12 photos of Christmas and let us know if you're going to get into that and do it. Um, I would love to see that happening. Uh, and um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, where can people find your work and what you're doing? Um, Greeny Blue on Instagram. I think I'm just Alex Purcell on Flickr, which I kind of don't use that much, I, I, which I, I think I will start using it a bit more. But yeah, just Greeny Blue on Instagram, I think is probably the best place. Lots of lovely photos there and um, lots of lovely pinhole stuff, but all, all sorts of lovely stuff. Uh, uh, or you can also find Alex just driving aimlessly around Bristol, Wales, wherever he may be lost at the time in his van. <laughs> we, How many pictures did you take on our photo walk? Total. I think it might have been a total of three. <laughs> uh, is that including the two of me? <laughs> yeah, or maybe four then, yeah. Okay, yeah. but not many. I think I took five. But can, I finished you... the rest of the roll the day after, so I made up for it. But... Okay, I haven't, <laughs> and I've still got a... I, I have something, uh, s- sneaky spoiler alert, listeners. Um, I haven't finished my roll of Cheap Shots film yet. We are judging it. Next Monday evening, uh, I have got a roll of colour film in there. I have no way of developing colour film, <laughs> and I have no way of getting it done in time. This is going to be good. It's going to be fine. There will be pictures. There will be blood. It will be awesome. Uh, Until we speak to you later in the week, take care, beloved listeners. Uh, Thank you very much, Al, for joining us. And goodbye. Bye. (laughs) One more time with passion, Al. Come on. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Better. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 